New Testament lesson, Luke 2, 1 through 20. Hear God's word. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. This is the word of God. You will notice that I asked Pastor McDonald and Elder Montgomery to read from the authorized version, from the King James Version, just because of the beauty and cadence and familiarity of some of these passages. I often wish we had never gotten away from the old translation. It's so very, very beautiful. But now, if you do have your Bibles, that text, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, and since the ESV, which is a very sound and solid translation, which is in our pew and in most of our laps, I will be referencing this passage in the ESV. 
The text has been read. Let us now bow before we expound it. Our gracious God, in this, in this worshipful moment in which we now come to your word, open our hearts to receive the truths. For we know that this is not mere sentimentality. It is not a, a symbol of good things, but it is the truth that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And without that truth, we would be hopeless. Show us again our helplessness, but show us again how you have helped us, indeed saved us from our sins, through Christ Jesus our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now, at Covenant Presbyterian Church, our grander celebrations for Christmas are our lessons and carols, and the Sunday nearest to are on Christmas Day. I always think of this gathering as a quiet time, a time in which we reflect very briefly as families are gathered on the Christmas story. It's a contemplative time. And how in this busy world we Christians need quiet, contemplative moments. It is the old, old story, is it not? And as believers, we never tire of it. We never exhaust it, and we long to hear it again and again. I want to hear this narrative and all of God's word until the day I die or Christ comes again. For this is God's appointed means for bringing us home. Now, as we come to this text in Luke chapter 2 that we have heard read just a few moments ago, the first thing I want us to see is the setting in world history. Joseph and Mary seemed caught in the web of international affairs. The emperor brought about a census. Desiring that all the world be taxed, he would have everyone register in their hometown. And this is the greatest inconvenience. This journey to the hometown to register, especially inconvenient for someone in Mary's very pregnant condition. But we have already in Luke chapter 1 and 2 a hint of the cosmic and universal significance of the birth of our Lord, something that transcends anything that Caesar or the Roman Empire could have done. Back here in chapter 1, verse 32, as the angel made the announcement of the birth to Mary, he said, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And in the second chapter of Luke's gospel, as on the eighth day Jesus is presented for his circumcision, Simeon, who had waited for this day, and the revelation of the Messiah says in verse 32, quoting scripture, that he will be a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, Augustus Caesar is in his grave. No one prays to Caesar Augustus. How God has turned the tables. What appeared to the world to be inconsequential. Who knew of Joseph? Who knew of Mary? Who knew of this baby? What appeared to the world to be inconsequential is firmly under the Lord's control, moving toward the manifestation of Christ's universal, worldwide reign over all things. This is the providence of God. 
God's control and sustenance of the world that he made, bringing all things to his own appointed end and purpose. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing of all his creatures and all their actions. And what a sad and pitiful thing. I feel deep sadness for those who read the Bible and write out this truth of God's sovereignty in the world. God's good plan could not and cannot and will not be sabotaged by man. As old Archbishop Thomas Cranmer said, God whose providence is never deceived. God will bring to his people what is profitable to them. He did then, he does now. Nonsense, says the world. A virgin, a cross, a resurrection, how incredible. God is not known by means of the world's wisdom. God makes the wisdom of the world foolish. And by faith alone, through Christ alone, through his grace alone, will always seem foolish to the world. And so we have this setting in world history. God in his providence bringing about the fulfillment of his promise made long ago through the prophets to bring to you and to me the Savior that he might be born in Bethlehem. The second thing you see here in this text is the lowly circumstances of the birth of our Savior. The census could not have come at a worse time. Go to Bethlehem. Here is Mary, very pregnant, this young Jewish mother. Now, this seems insane, but this was the law. This is what they had to do. Bethlehem was 90 miles from the hometown of Nazareth. But read verses 3 and 4 of Luke 2. And all went to register, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And the reader immediately is being prepared for the birth of a child who will be the descendant of David, who will come and who will sit upon David's throne, who will rule over God's people. David was from Bethlehem. The prophet, 750 years before, promised that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto thee, who is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. And in order to fulfill this promise made by God through his prophet, God brought perplexity into the lives of Joseph and Mary. Mary, pregnant. No human father through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wonderful? Yes, indeed. A wonderful truth, a wonderful reality, but no ordinary inconvenience. The time of her pregnancy now complete, she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was not room for them in the inn. This is in David's city. This is the city of the king. Jesus is the descendant of David. He is the one who has come as David's greater son to sit upon David's throne. And he is there wrapped in strips of cloth, bandages that were used to keep infants' limbs straight, placed in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. The habitation of animals because there was no lodging found, no privacy for the birth None of the conveniences needed for this mother 
no ordinary comforts for her or for the king of kings born into this world. But Caesar's whim that all the world should be registered, Caesar's whim was God's decree. And God is in all of this history. He is controlling and directing it in his providence, and he is in every inconvenience and suffering of Joseph and of Mary to bring the Messiah into the world. The whole Roman Empire was being used by God and his sovereignty for his purpose to redeem sinners from their sins. And it is still true today in the chaos of world news. And don't you agree with me that at Christmas time we often turn on the news and we seem to hear the worst? And the chaos of all of the, the news of this world. Is God on his throne? Does he rule? Does he reign? Is he working out his purpose for the salvation of his people? Yes, he is. And that is the promise of Christmas. That is one of the great themes of this story. God favored Mary, says the unbeliever. God would not have his children go through such things. He must be asleep at the wheel. But God is telling us three things. First, God is telling us in Luke chapter 2 that God's son was Mary's little baby. She took this baby into her arms against her flesh. She fed him. She cuddled him. She rocked him. She loved him because this is how near God is to us. Because God came in the flesh and was nourished from his mother's breast, skin on skin, real flesh, real incarnation. God assumed human nature. God became man because a nature not assumed could not be saved. If he is to save us, then God must assume our nature. Tomorrow morning, and perhaps tonight throughout our country, there will be ministers in churches all over the country and throughout the world, some of whom will preach the good news of Jesus Christ, but some of whom will be telling their people, this is a nice sentimental story. It's just a symbol. The virgin birth, it really didn't happen. The incarnation, who needs it? What we need is the nice, good feeling that comes from it. My friend, if that is all Christmas is, let's go home and let's die. We need the Savior because we are sinners. We need grace, and only God could save us. And the marvel of Christmas is that this baby lying in a manger is God himself, the second person of the Trinity that came into this world and assumed our nature because a nature not assumed could not be saved. That's good news. The second thing this text is telling us is that he took our condition. Do you think about that? As our catechism says, the larger catechism, he took circumstances of more than ordinary abasement. He experienced the effects of the fall. He hungered. He wept. He slept. He grieved. He bore our misery. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He came to bear the cross on Calvary. And thirdly, the text is pointing us to this truth, that he came to reveal the heart of God the Father who sent his Son into the world, 
that Son willingly coming to redeem sinners from our sins. What is the heart of the Father toward us sinners? What is the heart of the Father? We see it here. God became flesh that he might obey the law we broke and go to a cross and pay the penalty for our sins. What is the heart of the Father? God, the Father, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That if you, from your heart, believe in Jesus Christ, you will be saved, will never perish, will never be condemned, and will have everlasting life. That's what Luke 2 is all about. But we see a third thing, and this one is remarkable to me. We see shepherds and angels. Who would imagine a combination of shepherds and angels? If the angelic hosts were not so majestic, the thought of it would be comical to me. The birth of Christ not only concerns earth, it concerns heaven and all things, because Christ is Lord of all. Of men he came to save, and of angels who serve him adoringly, blinding, blinding light, worshiping before the throne, covering their faces, crying out, holy, 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 before his throne. And now here are the shepherds. Angels come to shepherds. Shepherds, a despised class. Considered always ceremonially unclean. They had no standing in a court of law. They couldn't come and testify. A despised class, but God overthrows the lofty, as we sang in Mary's song just a few moments ago. The angels tell us that this new thing calls for great joy. God is saving his people through his birth. And the angels sing the first Christmas carol. In verses 13 and 14, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Christ brings a new situation of peace between God and man because our sin had separated us. The gift of this peace is upon those of God's own free choice which means that our contribution is precisely zero. We contribute nothing to our redemption, nothing to our justification, nothing to our eternal life. And this is good news indeed. This is precisely what I need to hear and you do too, because my heart longs to hear that he has provided for me what I could never have provided for myself. An authoritative message that there can be peace between my heart and God. Is there someone here and you know deep within you are not at peace? How are you to be at peace? How are you to know when you go to sleep at night that if you do not wake up, you will enter into bliss? That you will be in the presence of the living God, loving Him and being loved and knowing that you are redeemed and saved for time and eternity. This is how this baby born in Bethlehem, On this Christmas night, who grew up and obeyed the law you broke, who went to a cross to save you from your awful sins. The gift of this peace is upon those of God's free choice. And the coming of this child means that the breach between God and man has been completely closed. The presence of angels proclaims harmony between heaven and earth. 
And then the angels left the shepherds. Imagine the brightness of it all. These angelic shining beings must have so brightened the sky that it must have been, it must have been brighter than noonday. They brought their message, told them what to do, where to go, what it was all about, and they're gone. And they're left in pitch black. But never had they been so much in the light as when they were in that dark. And they hurried to Bethlehem, and they found the child just as the angel had told them. And those shepherds, they must have brushed the child's cheek with their rough fingers. They must have cooed to the child and spoken to it in language of endearment. Shepherds, touching the face of the Son of God, God become man. And what of Mary? Mary. Mary is lost in holy contemplation. For we read in verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary, who am I? This was a girl of between 12 and possibly 16 years old. Brides in that day were very young. Maybe she's 14. Maybe she's 16 at most. Who am I? The angel came to me. I'm I'm a sinner. Who am I? I have brought into the world, through the virginal conception of the Holy Spirit, the child that is to be the Savior of the world. No wonder She ponders these things in her heart. Will you join your meditations with her on this Christmas Eve? Will you contemplate what it means that the infinite became finite? That the creator became a creature? That the eternal became subject to time? That the independent became dependent? that the divine became human, that God became man. Think on this. Augustine, the great church father, reflecting that Jesus is the maker, ruler, the bread, the fountain, the light, the way, the truth, the teacher, the foundation, the strength, the healer, the life, said this. Man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, that the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that truth might be accused of false witnesses, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. Then we move on in history, and Martin Luther, the great reformer, the Augustinian monk, said, If it is true that the child was born of the virgin and is mine, then I have no angry God, and I must know and feel that there is nothing but laughter and joy in the heart of the Father and no sadness in my heart. 
That's the message for all who trust in Jesus. And so, when you're shopping for that last-minute thing, I know what it is. You look at it, you put out the things, the children are asleep, and you say, it just doesn't look right. There was one other little thing that, so you go out and you try and find some drugstore that's open, and you find that one little thing and you bring it home, or you pick up the phone when you go home tonight and you find out there's one other person coming for Christmas dinner you didn't expect, and maybe it's a peculiarly trying family member, or the bicycle won't come together. And in frustration, you want to tear the instructions apart, but don't because you need them. (laughs) Or the children just won't calm down. You put them in bed and, can I have a glass of water? (laughs) It just won't happen. And when all seems like chaos, even then in your own heart, remember, love came down, the Savior is born, and this is the old old story. And God's people said,